Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Abner led a rebellion, and he put Ishbosheth on the throne, on Saul's throne. Um, but because Ishbosheth accused him of taking one of his concubines, Abner left the house of Saul. We talked about this in chapter 3. You can order a CD. He left the house of Saul and he went over to David's side. And this was a mistake because Joab was waiting to kill Abner because Abner killed Joab's brother, Ashiel. I want you to look at chapter 3 and verse 27. Abner gets to Hebron. Joab said, hey, man, can I talk to you? And he takes him aside. And then he stabbed him in the stomach and he died. So chapter 4, verse 1, when Ishbosheth, Saul's son, heard that Abner was dead, he lost heart. Why? Because Abner was his military strength and now his army is weak. He knows he can't maintain the kingdom against David and his army. So Ishbosheth knew his days of reigning were almost over. Remember, he got that position because man put him there. But when man is gone, the position is gone. Did y'all hear me? Man put him there. And when man is gone, the position is gone. Simply, Ishbosheth was weak because he trusted in man. Question to you tonight. Where are your eyes tonight? I mean, I know they're in your head. You're probably like, in my head. I know that. I mean, but spiritually, where are your eyes? Where are they? Who are you putting your trust in? You know, everybody's going to put their trust in something. Some people put their trust in their bank account. Some people put their trust in education. Some people put their trust in stocks and retirement and a steady home and income. All of these things are good, but they fade away just like that. Christians, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. You know, I think of Isaiah 31, 2. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. Psalm 20, memory verse, Psalm 27, 8. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust, we're saints, in the name of the Lord our God. They are bought to their knees and they fail, but we rise up and we stand firm. Well, Ishbosheth heard that the man who propped him up on the throne was dead, and the Bible says he lost heart. Look at verse 2. Saul's son had two men who were captains of his troops. One was named Bana, we read this, and the other named Rakab. Bana means son of grief or son of affliction. 
Rechab means companion. They were the sons of Remen, the Berethite. Berethite means drink lots of beer. I'm just kidding. I don't really know what it means. It just sounds like that. Doesn't it sound like that? For the record, I don't drink beer, okay? I'm just, amen. You got to put it out there. Look at verse 4. Before Jonathan died, he had a son who was lame in his feet. His name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, you got your pen? It means, get this, it means, I always knew one meaning, but I didn't know this meaning. Exterminating idols. Exterminating idols. Or, this meaning I did know, destroying shame. Destroying shame, Mephibosheth. I told you that the Jewish people would often name their children after some important event. You got to wonder what Jonathan was thinking when Mephibosheth was born. He probably looked at Mephibosheth and said, I'm going to name him exterminator of idols, probably thinking when he grows up, he's going to exterminate the idols and the shame out of the land of Israel. The Bible tells us he became lame at five years old, so he wasn't born that way. There was a woman who was working for Jonathan, taking care of him. And when she heard Jonathan and Saul, Mephibosheth's papa, amen, his grandfather, when she heard they were dead, she got scared. And she snatched up the boy and she began to run. Now, why is she running? Because she knows the leader of the new dynasty will kill every potential heir of the previous dynasty. So she's running. And while she's running, she dropped Mephibosheth. Now, lame, listen, usually means your feet. Usually lame in your feet, but not always. Actually, we're not told exactly what made him lame. He could have broken his back. Uh, She could have dropped him and he broke his hip. Or maybe he was paralyzed. We're not told exactly how he was lame. Look at verse 5. It tells us that son of grief and companion, Bana and Rechab, are walking in the heat of the day, headed to Ishbosheth's house, and Bo is taking a nap. And he must work at night or be a musician. <laughs> Amen. Sleeping in the middle of the day. Verse 6. The guys walking in the house, they walk in the house, they see Ishbosheth lying on the bed, and they stab him in the stomach. Now listen, when the Bible says they stabbed him in the stomach, it 99.9% of the time means they stabbed him under the fifth rib. Under the fifth rib into the heart, which is a typical death blow. The idea is to go under that rib and to hit the heart. Well, uh, verse 2 in this chapter, Rechab and Bana were of the children of Benjamin. Benjamin, that's interesting to me because Benjamin is a tribe that Saul came from. That means that this was other Benjamites who murdered Ishbosheth. So basically, these guys are family. How much does that hurt? You know, it's one thing when you're hurt by people that you don't know. Say amen. amen. And it's another thing to be hurt by people that you do know or people that are family or people that, that you love or people that you walk in the ministry with or people that, you know, you went in the house of the Lord together. I think of Psalm 55, verse 12 and 13. David said, for is it not an enemy who reproaches me? Then I could bear it. 
nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man, my equal, my companion and my acquaintance or my friend. Now, listen, when David wrote this, he was talking to talking about Ahithophel. Oh, you know the story. David trusted Ahithophel and the people trusted Ahithophel. Ahithophel was known throughout the kingdom for his great wisdom. He was so wise that people actually thought that God directly spoke to him. David trusted Ahithophel. David loved, you know, Ahithophel was probably David's best man in his 300 weddings. <laughs> or something. And, and, and he trusted him. There's nothing more painful, or is there anything more painful than a family member that turns on you? Or maybe somebody, again, that you poured your life into the ministry. You know, that's one of the, I think, one of the, one of the drawbacks of, of ministry. I do. Over these 20 years, is that people that you have loved and walked with, how many people know what I'm talking about, know where I'm going? You love them, you walk with them, you pray with them, you, 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 you fasted with them, you, you cried with them, you wept with them, you read the Bible with them, and, 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 and then they do something that just stabs you under the fifth rib. It hurts. It hurts. It really hurts. And I'll tell you, it really hurts when it happens over and over and over and over. Do you know a lot of pastors don't continue in the ministry because it happens so much they can't handle it? It hurts. It hurts that bad. They can't handle it. When you're doing ministry with people and you're loving people and they stab you or they hurt you in some way, David knew that feeling. That's why he wrote Psalm 55. Well, look at verse 7 in our text. Let's move forward. So Bana and Rechab secretly got in, and he, they killed Mephibosheth on his bed, and they took his head, they cut off his head, and they took off running, and they ran all night. Did you get that? They ran all night through the field holding his head. That is so gross. They're like running, like holding his head like, and he's, if he had long hair or something, he's swinging. Oh, it's so gross. This is like so gross. I mean, they're like running, holding his head. And can you imagine they're running through the field and they're, they're like, this is like movie stuff. You know, look at verse eight. They get to Hebron. They see, they see King David and they said here and they, they, they see King David and they probably they hold out the head here, David. Here's a, but like, whoa, 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 man, put that away. And then hold the head. Although, think about this. This is probably not really that shocking to David. That would be shocking to us, but it's not shocking to David. Why? Be, why? Goliath, very good. I've taught you well. I'm such a fantastic teacher. Yeah, Goliath. He, Goliath. He, he, David walked around with Goliath's head for a period of time. So he probably wasn't all that shocked, and they probably, here, take this. And David probably said, put it in the fridge. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what you're going to do with it. You got to do something with it. And note this, and, here's, and this is very interesting. Note they said, note this. Here's the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul. Did y'all get this? 
your enemy. Then they went on to say, David, God has gotten revenge on your enemy. Now, listen, if you've been with us, you know, David can't relate to this. Why? Because he doesn't see Saul as his enemy. He never did. Weren't y'all with me? Did did y'all hear me? He never did. Don't you remember he wrote the Song of the Bow in chapter 2? And the Song of the Bow was a poem written about his love for Jonathan and for Saul. So they say, God is giving you revenge for your enemy. And David's thinking, I never saw him as an enemy. I never looked at him as an enemy. And, and, and note the spiritual language there. You know, I've always said to you guys, can, can we just cool it on the spiritual language? Just a little bit. The Lord has avenged my Lord, the king. That's assuming that God approves of what they did. It also implies that they are acting on behalf of God's expressed orders. Listen, God is not in this. And that's why David can't relate to it. And that's why we have to be careful about the spiritual language. Well, you know, the Lord told me. Gosh, the Lord said, well, you know, God said, the Lord said, God told me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Amen. Pull down, pull down the spirit. Amen. We gotta, we gotta stop. Stop. Just stop. Just stop. Can we just be normal? I mean, that's not normal. I'm sorry. It's just not normal. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, keeping, I'm keeping 100. It's just not normal. When he says good morning to you, you go, good morning. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that. But I'm telling you, I came from this background. That's what I'm telling you. This is real stuff. I'm not making it up. You see somebody, am I right about it? You see somebody at church, you walk by, hey, how you doing? Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. The Lord is good. Man, I just asked how I was a pancake. I mean, I mean, I mean, where'd all that come from? Okay, fine. Y'all pray for me. Knock off the spiritual language. It's okay. You know, you don't have to prove to anybody how spiritual you are. God knows how spiritual you are. God knows what you do. God knows what you do before you do it. You can be normal and not be weird. Amen. They're assuming that God is giving David revenge. God's not giving David revenge. They think they're coming and, 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 and going to make David happy. Like the guy who came and gave David the news that he killed Saul on Mount Gilboa. Remember that? But I believe that David knows by now that the Lord is his strong tower. I believe he knows that by now. I believe that, and I'm going to wait while you clap your hands there because he's our strong tower as well. The Lord is mighty in battle. The Lord, God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Okay, so go with me real quick. Keep your, keep your finger here because we're coming back. Go with me to, uh, let's do it in order. Go to Psalm 3. Look at Psalm 3. Come on, let's travel around a little bit. Psalm 3. Psalm 3. Let me hear those pages turning. Come on, y'all. Psalm 3. The Lord is our help. Somebody say amen. amen. 
God is our helper. Lord, Psalm 3, Lord, how they've increased to trouble me. And many are they who rise up against me. And many are they who say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Turn with me to Psalm 18. Psalm 18, verses 1 through 3. Psalm 18, verses 1 through 3. The Lord is our, 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 our fortress. The Lord is our battle. The Lord is mighty in battle. Look at Psalm 18, verse 1 through 3. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. Y'all come on, read it with me. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. Come on, read it with me. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation and my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Turn with me to Psalm 91. In verses 1 through 7, Psalm 91, verses, see, I'm, when I, my point is that, that, that I believe that David has learned all these things. That's why when these guys come up and say, God has avenged me, David's like, I can't relate to that. Because, because God doesn't work that way. He doesn't work that way. Look at Psalm 91 in verses 1 through 7. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look you'll see the reward of the wicked. You see, David, go back to Samuel with me. David understood God doesn't work this way. God, God is his avenger, and he's, he's learned that. You know, if you've been with me in Samuel, David's made a whole lot of mistakes. And this has been a really, really long journey now to this point. We're talking from the time that David, let me see, from the time that David was anointed, when he was around 15 till now, it's probably 20 years. And in those 20 years, he's learned a lot. Running from Saul, hiding in caves, going to places, Ziklag, which he should not be. It costing him great cost to him. And finally, David gets to the point where he starts to seek the Lord. That was when he asked the Lord should he go to Hebron or not? So David's learned a lot by this point. And David understands that God has a way to work. You, you got to understand, God does things certain ways. And he doesn't do things certain ways. And that's how we know what is of the Lord and what is not of the Lord. God will never violate his word. 
And God will never tell you, go take vengeance on your enemy. When God says clearly, in, are y'all listening to me tonight? When God clearly says in his word, vengeance is what? Mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So David goes, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Well, I, I, don't, I don't get this. I can't relate to this. Well, look at verse 9. Come on, I'm going to come in for a landing here. Look at verse 9. But David, in chapter 4, 2 Samuel 4, 9. Look at verse 9. You, you looking at verse 9? Say, I'm looking at it. But David answered Rechab and Bana, his brother, the sons of Remon, Remon, the Berethite, and said to them, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from all adversity, when someone told me, saying, Look, Saul is dead, thinking to have bought good news, I arrested him and had him executed in Ziklag, the one who thought I would give him a reward for this news. How much more when wicked men have killed a righteous person in his own house on his own bed therefore shall i not require his blood at your hand and remove you from the earth don't you love that david is bad isn't he and that's what i call bad when somebody look at you and say you know what i will remove you from the earth that's what we call gangster okay i will remove you from the earth you don't want this I will remove you from the earth. <laughs> that's, that was, uh, that's, that's, that's too much. I'm like, I see you, David. Do you? <laughs> David said, I'm going to move you from the earth. I love that. Y'all should underline that. <laughs> so David commanded in verse 12 his young men, and they executed them, cut off their hands and feet, and hanged them by the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and they buried it in the tomb of Abner in Hebron. So David, give me your attention, said, as the Lord lives, who has redeemed me from all your adversity. David is saying, I'm standing here because God has helped me. I'm in this place because God has helped me. David said, the Lord takes care of me. David knew what he was talking about as he has had many experiences where God has actually taken care of him. And God has delivered him, just as he does us. Then David goes back to the story in verse 10 of the Amalekite. Remember, we talked about this earlier in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 1. Back to the story of the Amalekite who told him that Saul was laying there mortally wounded and called him over to finish him off. Y'all remember that? And David says, listen, in verse 10, when that little pig squeak told me Saul was dead, he thought he was bringing me good news. But I arrested him and I had him executed. And he thought I was going to give him a gift. David said, I gave him a gift of death. And that was, this is the real story as we pointed out. The other guy was lying. He wasn't telling the truth. This is the real story here. We talked about that in previous studies. How much more in verse 11, when wicked men kill a righteous person in his own bed, do you think that I will let this pass? Do you think, David says, I won't require this blood and take you off the earth? David says, in other words, if that Amalekite came to me and told me Saul was dying anyway, and he begged me, begged him to kill him and was wrong for touching God's anointed, what do you think I'm going to do with affliction and companion? You guys. David says, do you think I'm going to approve of that? 
When everything in the law of Moses and God's law says it's wrong, David commanded in verse 12 his young men, and they executed them, cut off their hands and their heads and the feet. They cut off their hands and the feet because that's what they used to commit the murder. And what was left of them was hung by the pool in Hebron. Can you imagine? You have friends over to swim. I told y'all this is a gross chapter. It's just gross. They took the head of Ishbosheth. They buried it in the tomb of Abner. Well, I hope you enjoyed this nice, family-friendly Bible study. All in a day's work in the life of David in Hebron. Chapter 5, listen, I promise you, it won't be so bloody. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.